You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Man, another great podcast coming up for you here today. Hello, everybody. My name is Trent Rush. Appreciate you downloading, subscribing, and being part of our podcast here, Angels Recap Podcast. We're going to have it all year long for you. It is awesome. Uh, We also, this is in conjunction with our Halos Hot Stove Show on Angels Radio AM830. I hope you guys get a chance to check that out as well. Always really fun stuff. Uh, A lot of it kind of overlaps from what you get on the podcast to what you get on the radio, but uh, there are some differences. So I encourage you uh, to really check out both. On the show today, great conversation with Justin Upton. And that's going to be coming up. I'm going to get to that here in just a second. Uh, And then later on, Stick around. We talk about Shohei Otani. We get an update from Angels GM Billy Epler. Gives us some news on Shohei. Get a chance to hear Shohei's speech at the Baseball Riders Awards Dinner two weeks ago. On top of that, I'm going to break down the importance of Shohei Otani to this lineup and what it's going to be like without him because the Angels aren't going to have him available for opening day. Though the big picture plan is really promising and Shohei is still going to be a major part of the Angels lineup in 2019. Just because he's not ready for opening day doesn't mean the Angels aren't going to have him uh, for a large bulk of the season. You just got to always remember to keep the big picture in mind. We also got some good news regarding Albert Pujols. We'll go into what the Angels need from Albert here in 2019. So be sure to stick around for that. But First and foremost, Justin Upton. I mean, doing it a great year last year, and I think a lot of Angels fans probably don't realize it because he had some slumps during the season. He was incredible at the start of May. Actually, in the interview, I said uh, start of June. I meant to say start of May. Dude was absolutely nuts uh, that month. I think he drove in like 21 runs his first 15 days of May. It was crazy. But last season, Justin Upton hits 257, but does hit 30 bombs, 85 RBI. His OPS ended up at 808. His WAR was close to three and a half. Justin Upton had a really good year last year, which actually kind of surprised me by some of Justin Upton's comments he made in this interview. So let's not waste any more time and get right to that. Here now, Angels left fielder Justin Upton. Talking now with one of the guys that was so great for the Angels last year, a four-time All-Star, just got done with his first season with the Halos, now getting ready for year two. Justin Upton, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Hey, after a full season last year with the Angels, I know you got a little taste of it in 2017, but you come to this uh, year with in 2018 with this Angels organization. You put up big numbers, a bunch of homers, drove in a ton. Uh, what was uh, the year like for you in 2018? Um, you know, it was a good year overall, um, you know, personally, but obviously you can get better and there's things that I'd like to do. Uh, to get better. There's some stretches in there where, um, 
you know, I felt like I, I could help the ball club. I, well, I couldn't help the ball club when I, um, you know, when I really wanted to. And, you know, that's, that's the, that's the measure of your season is, you know, how, how often can you, can you help your ball club? And I feel like, you know, I had, you know, just stretches instead of, um, you know, long periods of time where I was, where I was uh, contributing. So, um, there's a lot of work to do, and, and you know that going into off season, you prepare for it. I get that. I've been reading. I've been reading some books this year about. I mean, a lot. I'm trying to learn the baseball numbers more and more, and so many of them talk about like the macro, like the big picture. Like you look at your 2018 season. Like Justin, you had a really good season last year, but no doubt, yeah, there were times where I know that there were some long stretches for you where, where you had some struggles. Do you feel like, like in those times, is it really hard to see the big picture of like, yes, I know I can do this, and even though it, this has been a rough week? Um, it's not hard. Like, I I know it. You know, m- most seasons at the end of the season, my numbers are going to look great. Um, you know, and they're going to look good on paper. I I'm not a big believer in the macro. Like, oh well, you know the. His end season, his, the end of the season, his war was this. The end of the season, his numbers were this. I want to, I want to find a way to contribute on the baseball field day, day in and day out, whether that's defensively, offensively, on the bases. And when you're not on the bases, you can't contribute on the base pass. So I feel like at some at some points I wasn't getting on the on bases. So the only thing I could do was with the glove, and I didn't play great with the glove last year. So like I look at it as how I, how I can contribute day in and day out. Um, and there were times where I felt like, you know, I didn't drop something in the bucket that night. I get you. But at the same time, if you're going to have these big numbers, that also means you went on some monster stretches. I, what was that That stretch in June where you had, like, two weeks where you just, like, were driving in, like, one or two runs every night? It seemed like it was incredible. What's it like when you're locked into a zone like that? Oh, man, that's fun. Um, you know, you, you go up there and, you, and like you're just in rhythm and um, you're seeing the ball great and you know that if the pitcher makes a mistake then you know you're gonna you're gonna help help your team get on the board. Um, those are the fun periods. You, you definitely enjoy. Um, you definitely enjoy those times and you try to ride them out as long as you can. Yeah, no doubt. It was fun uh, getting a chance to watch you do that. So you're hanging out in Arizona now. I know that's uh, where you live, and obviously that's where Angel Spring training is. Uh, what's the off season like? What are you doing the off season? Um, try to mix in some golf, uh, mix in some family time. <laughs> uh, that's good. You know, I, it's been a lot, a lot of family time this year. It's been a, it's a really fun age. My daughter, she's three, so. Um, you know, we try to do as much as we can with her. Since you know, I travel, I do travel a lot during the season. So um, it's been a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Traveled a couple times, and um, you know, saw the parents back east, and you just try to catch up with everybody and try to enjoy some downtime. You know, heal the heal the bumps and bruises. Uh, so, what movie have you seen the most this off season? Which Disney movie? Because I know that you're watching a ton of them. Well, we we watched. <laughs> We watched Smallfoot about a hundred times, okay. and then somehow we reverted back to um, to Moana. Yeah, and now we're still on the Moana kick. I I can recite the movie uh, word for word. 
Just put it that way. <laughs> well, hey, hey, the problem with the Moana too is like the songs will get stuck in your head. I have a, a four-year-old niece, and I get stuck watching some of these movies. They get stuck in your head, and you can't get rid of them. Like it's there all day. There's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Yeah, I, like we'll we'll put my daughter to bed, and I'll be in. I'll be in, in bed, you know, getting ready to go to sleep, and I can I catch myself like humming the song. Yeah, that's so unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> that is the absolute worst. But hey, it, it, but there's nothing better, right, than, than spending quality time, especially for you, uh, with your daughter. As far as like workouts go, when does that really start to ramp up for you? Like, how much time do you take off from baseball? Um, I usually take about a month. Okay. Uh, three weeks to a month, and then I, you know, I start. I, I I try to keep my body moving, moving around. So, you know, I started moving around probably at the end of end of October this year, and I've been on the go since. And then you kind of you, you ramp it up as the off season goes. You know, after after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving happens, then you know Christmas and New Year's. After New Year, when you you have about a month and a half, so you know it's it's, it's a progression, and you get more and more into, you know, deeper into your workouts, and then you start picking up a bat and ball. So I'm I'm doing everything now. I'm working out. I'm, you know, playing catch, swinging the bat. So um, this point in the year, it's, you know, it's full go. I know that with this Angels team, there is a ton of talent. We'll get to some of the new additions coming up here in a second. But when you see the amount of talent on this team and knowing that this club hasn't been to the playoffs since 2014, does that drive you more in the offseason? Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's the end goal. It's the end goal every year. You want to be the last team standing. To be the last team standing, you have to you have to get in the playoffs. Yeah. So, I mean, when you – when you walk into an off season, the last thing you want to be like, oh, you know what? I want to be home on September 29th this year. You know that that sounds like a good plan. No, it's like your goal when you when you enter the off season is how can I get better? How can the team get better? And how can we get to get to the playoffs? Justin, you've been a part of some really good teams too. I would imagine August and the dog days don't feel so hard when you're winning and, and part of a culture that's, you know, making a push for the playoffs. Because I'm sure that there are times where you get into August and you're like, man, if, if we're 30 games out, man, I just want to be done, you know, when the season ends. You want those games to be meaningful and to be a part of something, I would assume, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when you're when you're playing meaningful games down the stretch, the, the energy, you know, the, the meaningfulness of the games are, are like – you know, they're like Advil, like ibuprofen, you know. Like, you don't feel any of the, you, you know, you don't feel the pain that you have. And, you know, it's not hard to get ready for the game. You know, you're excited to get out there every day. And it, it definitely makes it easier when you play meaningful games. You, you know, when, when you're out of it, everything hurts, you know, and, and you're just trying to get it off. So, I mean, obviously, I, I, I like the feeling of being in the hunt. Well, and obviously, when you come into a season, everybody is in the hunt, and we know how much talent is on this team. Also, some changes with this organization, too, right? With uh, For you, a chance to reunite with Brad Osmus. Can you tell us, what's Brad Osmus like as a manager? Um, I, 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 like, I like playing for Brad because he's the type of guy who um, he doesn't let things get – let the moment get too big, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, you know, kind of calm, collected, um, you know, he, he's, a, he, you know, he relates to the players really well, and, and 
mean, that's really all you can ask is that, you know, have a manager that isn't going to panic in the big situation and, uh, and a manager who you can relate to and talk to. I know you've played for several different managers, but obviously that time in Detroit when you were with uh, Brad Osmus, was there anything that you took away from that experience with him that you think uh, could could matter here with the Angels now? Um, you know, I, I just like Brad as a whole. Um, you know, his presence and what he you know what he brings to the table. I mean, you know, he, he treats all of his players with you know with, with utmost respect and. Um, you know, when you walk in the clubhouse, you feel like your manager believes in you, and, and that's that's you know that's what I took from him. I mean, we we had a lot of veteran personalities on that team, and you know, Brad was able to manage those personalities and you know bring us together as a unit. Um, you know, so I I, I, I respect that. And I, I think that you know that's a that's a quality that can, can help this ball club. What's the difference between playing on a team with a lot of veterans versus on a club with like a lot of rookies and new guys that are trying to find their way in the big leagues? Because I know you've been a part of both. Heck, last season it almost seemed like half of the season was one way and the second half of the season was another. What's the biggest difference in, in that sense for you as a player? Um, I, I think, you know, there's, you know, the veterans have, have a little more responsibility on, on the teams with the younger guys because, you know, the, a lot of those guys are new to new to the big leagues. They're new to the league. They don't know the pitchers. They don't know certain things. So there's a there's a lot more um, there's a lot more questions in the preparation process with younger players. As far as veteran players, you just kind of talk about things. You know, you just kind of talk about situations in the game. You talk about, you know, the pitcher you're facing. But with you know, a lot of the younger, newer guys, there's a little bit of a learning curve. And, you know, good veteran players help those players with the learning curve. And I think that just becomes a little bit more of um, that, that, that responsibility is put on the veterans a little bit more with, with a younger team. I was talking about something with Tommy Davis a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me about Hank Aaron. And the memory he had, and the way that when he watched the watched the pitcher, the way that he could remember everything about him, not see him for five years, but still know everything. And he was always trying to teach young guys how to understand that. Uh, when when you're considering your approach going up to the plate, like how much are, are you thinking about that matchup? Like how much uh, emphasis do you put on in trying to understand um, a pitcher's technique and what they're trying to do and their tendencies? Well, I, I think it's a little bit different now that, you know, we're in an age of, you know, we have a ton of video. Yeah. So they know they know what you're doing well at the time. And, you know, a lot of times game plans are crafted depending on ex- exploiting your weaknesses or what they're doing well right then and using their strengths. So I think it's a little different now because your game plan changes from appearance to appearance against a guy simply because there's so much information that, um, you know, the, the variables actually affect how the, how the game plan is used. So there's a lot of – you just have to study, honestly. You have to, you know, watch former at-bats, watch – I mean, watch, watch a bats from the past, watch, um, you know, what they've been doing before they came to see you, try to formulate your own plan. 
that makes a ton of sense. Has it always been that way since you've been in the big leagues, or is this something that's more like in the last three or four years? Um, uh, when I first got called up, I don't think there was, I don't think every game was on TV, so you didn't have, you didn't have the greatest video. And, okay. You know, you were getting the team's in-house feed and things like that. But as video advanced, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, now every game's on TV. Every, you know, you get every pitch. And you're getting, you can do that with every single team, so... If you're looking at it, you know they're looking at it. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a chess match. How much focus do you put into that? Because like I talked to Tim Salmon and and Fish says, "Hey, I wanted no information. I wanted to know. I wanted to go up there and just go pure feel and just and be able to clear my mind and just hit." And then there's guys that are the, the exact opposite of that. Like so, when you're at, in the box, what are you thinking about? Like in those moments, in in terms of preparation coming in. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't want to know. I don't want to know the numbers. I kind of want to trust my eyes. I'm, I'm similar to Tim in that way, but I do want to know what his tendencies are, where, where he goes when he's in trouble, and things like that. Um, and I, I want to know like something basic is in his last start. How how effective? Like, was he great? Did he command the zone great? Was he a little erratic? Was he missing up? Was he missing down? Like I want to know what those misses were in case they show up in the game. Then I then I know, um, I kind of know where his where his mechanics are as a whole, and I I can use that to my advantage. I you know, I I don't, but I don't want to know what percentage of what percentage he throws a pitch because yeah. when you start up to get up there and try to start thinking with the pitcher, you're in trouble. Yeah, I can totally see that. I can't relate to that. I have no idea. I just sit in the booth. But I've heard a lot of other, <laughs> I've heard a lot of other guys say stuff similar to that. Justin, I want to talk about your defense for a second because I know you mentioned it before. Look, in 2017, you were a Gold Glove finalist, and I know that you mentioned that you had uh, what you felt like were some struggles on the defensive side last year. Uh, what are you doing now to try to maybe get back to what you were in in 2017 and before that? Um. You know, honestly, just just get the legs healthy. Um, you know, I, I was, had a little bumps and bruises during during spring training last year, and then you know, just never recover. I didn't feel as explosive as I as I could have been. Um, you know, and that that hinders you know tracking down balls and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I definitely not, I'm not the type of guy to blame blame uh, my struggles on injuries. But you know, when you don't feel good out there, you obviously um, you obviously tend to, to to not play as well, and you know you depend on your body. And um, you know this year I I come in and hopefully not be not feel the way I did last year and play better. Because yeah. um, I, I, I know I know I'm a I know I'm a good outfielder, and you know there's things obviously have to, you know you have to fine tune when you get into spring training. But hopefully get off the ground running this year and and get going. I've always kind of wondered, like, how much of a role does the ballpark play in that and, like, adjusting to a new place? For a left fielder, is, is that something that, that is a factor? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously playing in the ballpark, you you know, you have to get used to things. But I've I played, I played plenty of games in, in, the, uh, in the big A, man. I, yeah. I, you, you can't use that as an excuse. I've, I've been in the American League two years before that, and then I, you know, I played, you know, I played a full season there last year. So, um, 
the ballpark's not affecting. Obviously, playing beside Mike is a, is a lot different because <laughs> he gets to a lot of balls that I used to have to run down. But, um, you know, I, I think year two should be a lot better, uh, second, second full season. What's that dynamic like with Mike Trout in the outfield and you guys playing together? Like, I, I, I'm sure, I, I don't know how anybody else could relate to that when you have a guy like him in center field and th- that communication. And, and obviously, he and Cole have been together for so long. On the other side, like, what's it like getting put into that outfield? Um, there's, there's a learning curve because you know you, you have to get used to everything that your center fielder does. He's he's the, um, you know, he's the leader out there. So um, when he when he takes when he takes balls, you know that I, I usually I run down like I have to register. Okay, I, I have to start building my understanding of his range, yeah. and you know one, once I understand what Mike can get to and what Mike can't get to, now that that frees me up to go, you know, go get balls that I feel like. And then then there's a communication part of it. Sometimes Mike's you know in different positions, and I, ha- I we have to make sure that. We communicate before, before the pitch and things like that. So there's definitely a learning curve, but Mike makes it easy, man. It's fun out there. We, you know, we're always messing around. We're always, you know, keeping engaged. So, um, you know, that that learning curve was a lot easier to get over. It looks like you guys have fun out there. By the way, uh, when you're on the road, is there anything that like that stands out that's been like exceptionally funny that you can say on the radio that fans have yelled at you? Um, no, you don't want to hear those. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that. That's <laughs> I thought that I thought yeah, that you, yeah, you don't want to hear any of the, uh, anything that they say to us out there. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, Justin, um, real quick, I, I don't want to keep you too long, but you were just talking about, you know, the difference of coming to the American League, and I talked with Zach Cozart about this, who had just come over from Cincinnati the year before and making that adjustment. What were some of the things that now that you've spent you know a, a fair amount of time in both leagues? What are some of the biggest differences between being a National League hitter and being an American League hitter? Oh, I, I, I think that pitchers just attack lineups differently because you know they don't have a DH over there, so you know they can they navigate a little bit better, um, you know, because they they can. Um, I think in the in the American League. Um, it's 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 kind of hard to explain. I yeah. I'll say the biggest difference. I mean, for for a person coming over to the to a player coming over to the American League is that if you were in the National League for a long time before, there's guys on on the on the other side that you just haven't seen, you know. And that first time through all the teams, where you get to see the pitchers and then. You know that that next time it gets a little bit easier because you've seen those guys. I, I think it's just getting acclimated. I think they talked about it a little bit with Otani last year. Like early on, you know, he he hadn't seen some of the pitchers, so it was kind of a feeling out process. And then later on that, throughout the season, he had seen those guys, so he was a little bit more comfortable. It's just you know, you, you can watch a guy on video all you want, but until you you step in the box against him, you don't you don't really know what you're getting into. So. Um, there's an adjustment period, but you know you you eventually get there when you you know that second time through the teams and the third time through the teams. Sure. Hey, speaking of Otani, by the way, do you see his speech at the Baseball Writers uh, Awards ceremony? He gave in English. How cool was that? 
I haven't seen it yet. He he gave the speech in English. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) That's cool. You know what? It doesn't surprise me. Well, that guy. It doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, he could do it all. That dude is super impressive. Hey, Justin... Get that handicap low because, uh, you know, for the sake of your wallet, uh, coming up in March, you, you got to get some work on it and keep getting that golf game going, all right? Yeah, um, you know, I, I got another swing I got to worry about. <laughs> I'll let my, competitive nature, let my competitive nature take over on the golf course. I won't be losing any money. I trust you. That, you know, I, I promise you that. <laughs> well, I like it. And, I, <laughs> and, and by the way, as somebody that works for this organization, I would much prefer the other swing uh, to be the one you're focusing on, too. That's really good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, Justin, thanks for doing this, Uh, man. I can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks out in Tampa, and it's going to be lots of fun this year. And, uh, again, thanks for doing this, dude. Absolutely, man. Good to hear from you. So great to have Justin Upton uh, spend some time with us on the phone. I thought Justin was really insightful. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Justin Upton can do here in this 2019 season. Uh, he talked about the numbers and the success that he had last year. And even though he, he felt like at times he wasn't able to contribute, I, I respectfully disagree with him at times because he is such a dominant hitter. He is somebody that can add so much protection to this lineup. And when you get a guy like Shohei Otani back and hit for the Angels like he will do in 2019. Having a guy like Justin Upton be more protection for this Angels lineup is going to be massive for the Halos this coming season, especially when we get to the point where Shohei is going to be able to hit just about every day. And we really never got to see a true sample of that really until September last year. And even at that point, Shohei was still dealing with the idea that he needed to have Tommy John surgery. And while he was still able to hit so well at the end of last season, it was absolutely incredible what Otani did uh, at the end of the 2018 campaign. I think a full year of having Shohei the hitter is going to be huge for this Angels lineup. Because look, think about this dude's production. In just 326 at-bats, 22 bombs, hit 285, drove in 61, OPS 925. I mean, dude was all over the place. Plus, he swiped 10 bags as well. And that was really being a part-time hitter. Good enough for Rookie of the Year honors last season. And he was honored just this past weekend in New York City at the Baseball Writers Association dinner where he was presented with the honor. And here's Billy Epler first giving the speech and introducing the Angels' two-way star, Shohei Otani. His vision and his plan, it started a long time ago, and they continue to feed his dream of not only playing major league level as a hitter and a pitcher, but excelling at it. You know, people that take on the unknown, they're called pioneers. We learn from them, and they show us a new path. Now I look around and I see teams, including the Angels, drafting two-way players. I see us exploring two-way roles for some position players that show a little arm strength or the ability to spin a breaking ball. Shohei, walking that path and showing it can be done, that makes you a pioneer. Thank you. Uh, first off, I want to say what an honor it is to share this stage with so many great players. Congratulations to you all. I would like to thank the BBWAA for hosting this great event and to the writers who voted for me. I have some special thank yous I would like to share to the entire NJ organization for their one. Welcome from day one and 
their unconditional support. Thank you to Alte Moreno, John Carpino, and Bill Ebra for believing in me and my vision. Tim Mead and his entire staff for always making me feel comfortable. I appreciate you all. Thank you for coming out tonight. To my teammates for all their support and encouragement throughout the year. To my agent, Ness Valero, and our CA family for all their support, thank you for everything you do and for coming out tonight. Lastly, to my parents for coming all the way from Japan to be here tonight. To, to Ipe for being there for me throughout the year. Um, to all the Angel fans, thank you. Hopefully, I will not need this tissue <laughs> the next time I'm up here. Thank you. Oh, I think there's going to be a lot of next times for Shohei Otani on that stage. I, I can't wait to see what this guy does in his career. I, I just was so fired up by what he did in 2018. and he, We're going to see him as a hitter all of 2019. Even though he's not going to be necessarily ready by opening day, I think the Angels are still going to be able to have him for most of the season. I love what Billy Epler said, too. And Billy Epler made some comments later this week that we'll get to here in a second. But by calling Shohei Otani a pioneer of the sport is a really significant thing to say. Think about the players that have altered the way the game of baseball is played. Shohei Otani is that. Shohei Otani has changed the game of baseball. Nobody does that. There's a lot of copycats in baseball. People like to take ideas and then change the game. Same way Billy Bean was a pioneer in many ways. And what happened with Oakland? And really, it wasn't. It was like Billy changed. It was like Billy Bean changed the game, uh, but he took this, you know, Bill James philosophy and that style of thinking, where probability and metrics uh, were, were, you know, used in more prominent sense. He elevated that, and kind of it gets a lot of the credit for that. But there have not been all that many people across the history of baseball that you can say and, and point to one person as being somebody that changed the game of baseball. Shohei Otani did that with the incredible success he had last year. And it's not just what he did last year, but the promise of what he can do for many years to come. By the way, how remarkable was Otani to be able to give that entire speech in English on that stage in that environment? That's big time. Nothing surprises me about Shohei Otani. Nothing. Now, in regards to this season, Shohei Otani did meet with Dr. Neil Elitrosh earlier this week here in Southern California. Uh, that's the guy that performed uh, Shohei Otani's Tommy John surgery, world-renowned doctor. I mean, as good as it gets, uh, Dr. Neil Elitrosh. And via a conference call, Billy Epler gave us an update on how Shohei is progressing. Shohei had his appointment with uh, Dr. Elitrosh, and that went really well. Dr. Elitrosh was, was very pleased with Otani's elbow range of motion his strength that he demonstrated as well as the, the scar mobility. So what he did was he cleared Shohei to begin full strengthening prior to this appointment. Shohei had been doing a lot of lower body things and strengthening of kind of his left side. And now he's been cleared to strengthen bilaterally, uh, both his left and his right side with full, you know, full volume, full load, to, you know, to see how he, he responds to that. So he, he's now able to, to fully weight train, you know, beginning uh, actually tomorrow. 
and that is such great news. To get a positive checkup from Dr. Ella Trosh is outstanding. Uh, but I think most people are wondering, okay, when are baseball activities going to begin? When is Shohei Otani going to be back? And it's actually kind of interesting how the Angels are going to be able to handle Otani's rehab here because they're not just rehabbing him as a hitter, they're also rehabbing him as a pitcher. Again, this is something no one's ever done before. So here's Billy Epler on how the Angels are going to go about this. And it's pretty fascinating, the Angels' approach. I have a sense of the steps that he'll go through to get back to, you know, game readiness. So, you know, generally, if we were just talking about a hitter right now, you would be talking about, you know, getting to this accustomed level of strength. Then you would be talking about dry swing. Then you would be talking about hitting off of a tee. Then you would be talking about soft toss, like underhand flip. And then you would be talking about overhand batting practice. And then you would be talking about velocity off of a machine. And then you would be talking about live pitch. So there's a, the uniqueness of Shohei also rehabilitating as a pitcher um, is that incorporated into this will be throwing progression and being activated to throw and then being moved back to greater distances and so on and so forth. And so one of the things that we are mindful of is not introducing something new to him or two new things in the same week. So the easiest way to kind of frame that is if he's going to now do hitting off of a tee, that would come one week, and then perhaps the throwing would, if he was going to move back in his throwing progression, that would happen in a different week. They wouldn't simultaneously happen. Each event mm-hmm. is, a new, is a new level, for lack of a better word. And so we're going to move level to level. And that's why it's difficult to kind of frame a timeline where we know the stats, mm-hmm. but it's harder to frame the timeline. Quite honestly, trying to figure out a timeline for when Otani is going to be back is really challenging uh, for the reasons that Billy Epler just said. I mean, look, when you hear him talk about that, uh, it sounds like the Angels are going to be cautious. They're going to take this with a slow approach, as they absolutely should. I mean, this guy is a phenom, and it's somebody that can be a multi-time all-star many years to come, many years down the road, and you don't want to jeopardize anything after this procedure. The Angels are going to be cautious as they absolutely should be here. You just can't let anything happen to this guy. All right, you got to make sure that he is 100% when he comes back, and not just as a hitter, but as a pitcher as well. That can't be lost on anybody. Now, Shohei Otani is not going to be ready for opening day. That's all right. We kind of knew that coming in. That was even the idea going back to last October that, okay, he probably wouldn't be ready for opening day. And then Brad Ausmus kind of confirmed that when he said so at the winter meetings in Vegas. And then it was like officially confirmed yesterday uh, when Billy Epler was on the conference call. But I thought this was interesting as well. Billy explaining the process for how they're going to try to determine a timeline and what it's going to take before we finally see Shohei Otani in a major league batter's box. He does not have an appointment set up right now. And the reason for that is our doctors are around regularly throughout the entirety of spring training. So they don't need to really schedule anything when they're there every day. So he'll be seen and monitored very regularly. The one thing that I will caution about trying to establish timelines is that the opinions of our medical group are doctors as well as our physical therapists and athletic trainers and strength coaches, the opinions of that group kind of coupled with objective data that we gather from Shohei's workout as well as subjective data that we gather from Shohei's feedback to us, that's our guide in assessing when he's ready for the next stage in a progression. 
Um, that's why it's difficult to establish a timeline because it's organic and it's based on feedback from a number of different parties. Look, there's no messing around here. This is a science and an art in trying to find out when Shohei Otani is going to be back and making sure that he is back at the correct and the appropriate time. Where he can be most beneficial to the club, that is also what's in his best interest in the long term. It's hard to figure out. So I said it is both a science and an art to try to determine this. By the way, you're listening to Halo's Hot Stove on Angels Radio AM830 KLAA. My name is Trent Rush. Billy Epler also gave us an update on Albert Pujols as well. Pretty good news about Albert. And here's Billy. Albert is progressing well. He's working with a same strength and conditioning coach that he worked with last offseason. And he's been hitting. He's been increasing his weight training and, you know, been cleared to kind of push around and, and move around. And he has been hitting for, for a while now. So based on that, we're very optimistic. The next stage for him is when, you know, we get out on the field and start moving around a little bit more and then incorporating, you know, at-bats in games, just how he responds. But everything's been uh, encouraging up to this point, and we're excited to kind of get the whole group back together here in Tempe soon. And that's really good news. What's best about this is because especially now that we know that Shohei Otani is not going to be ready for opening day, now you really need Albert Pujols to be ready for opening day. And he can DH, and you can kind of ease Albert in, and that's going to take opportunities where you're forcing him to play first base away for a little bit you, you because there's going to be times this year Albert's going to have to play a lot of first base because you're going to have Shohei Otani DHing that's going to be that's a reality of this season and can Albert Pujols body hold up the entire year as a first baseman that remains to be seen look father time's undefeated Albert Pujols you can make the case Albert Pujols is one of the top five greatest hitters ever I mean when you think about it Albert is that level elite of the elite is Albert Pujols and even though he had struggles last year, he still has moments where he, he still can be a great hitter for this organization. And being able to have him start the year as a DH is really important. For me, it's kind of like taking a rental car when you're going on a long road trip. Now, you are still got to pay for gas. You're still driving. You're still in the car. You don't have the luxury of air travel. But at least you're not putting the mileage on your own vehicle. Like That's the way it kind of feels with Albert Pujols being able to start the year as a DH, knowing he's going to have to play a lot of first base later in the year. And then you get an opportunity to see what Justin Bohr has. And you got that protection in Justin Bohr, a guy that had had a 902 OPS as recently as 2017. And even last year was a productive hitter, both in Miami and Philadelphia. But to have Albert Pujols ready, and hopefully he can get to a point where he can come into this 2019 season the same way he did in 2018, where he's in great physical shape, and hopefully that can help him as the season goes on. And I think it's going to be really important that Albert does not have to play as much first base, at least at the start of the season. He's going to have to later in the year, but you're at least able to ease him in as a DH. I think that's a really, really important thing for the overall health of this organization. And then all of a sudden, in my opinion, the Justin Bohr signing becomes really big for this Angels. Like, good thing they have him. Like, that becomes a really important piece for the Angels. That's going to be your opening day first baseman, more than likely. There's going to be a lot to follow in spring training. I'm excited to watch that, uh, see how Justin Bohr can play uh, in this Angels lineup and, and where he's going to fit in there. I'm curious to see what happens over at second base, what happens over at third base. Uh, I have a feeling we're probably going to see Zach Cozart playing third at the start of the season, and then it's going to be 
a really good competition for second base. I know we talked about this before, but when you're thinking about a David Fletcher and a Tommy Lestella getting in there, does Luis Rangifo, is he going to be into the mix at second base at the start of the season? That's going to be something really fun to watch with those three. Who's going to end up being the Angels' fourth outfielder? Who's going to be the opening day starter for the Halos? What's the rotation going to shape up to be? There's a lot of questions out there, and I think it's going to be fun to watch all through spring. I can't wait for that. I mean, look, spring training games begin this month. We are in February. Spring training games begin this month. You know, on our last show, we really wanted to spend some time going through the Angels promo items this year. And once again, we're kind of tied on time, but that's okay. I still want to pick out uh, some of the promo dates that I'm especially fired up about uh, for this year. How about this? First home series of the season on a Friday night you can get a Mike Trout Silver Slugger bobblehead that's going to be cool in a game against the Texas Rangers then coming up on April the 19th a home game another Friday night against Seattle an Otani blanket follow that uh, up by an Otani Rookie of the Year sweatshirt at the end of the month on April 30th the Tuesday night against the Blue Jays that's a heck of an April slate as far as promo items go and there are others as well like in May there's going to be the cowboy hat the patriotic tote bag is going to be available I know all you Star Wars fans out there, you want to make sure that you're at Star Wars night on Friday, May 24th. Get that Wookiee Rally Monkey. By the way, with the opening of Star Wars Land coming out to Disneyland soon, maybe you guys could try to pair that up. I don't know if it's going to be open by May 24th, but that could be quite a double header. You go to Disneyland for a little bit, check out Star Wars Land, and then come have Star Wars night at the ballpark. Get yourself that Wookiee Rally Monkey. In June on the 7th, that leather logo hat uh, when the Angels take on the Mariners, that looks pretty darn cool. Then later in June on the 27th, a Thursday against Oakland, there's a Mike Trout cooler backpack. Then Christmas in June this year, a Christmas stocking is going to be one of the giveaways. That's going to be awesome. Then in July, first game after the All-Star break, come get your beach umbrella, a part of Hawaiian weekend. That's going to be really fun as well. There's an Otani bobblehead that's going to be given away on July 16th on a Tuesday night against the Houston Astros. And then in August, this is going to be fun. There's going to be a 70s throwback weekend. On the 16th, that's a Friday night, there's going to be a tie-dye shirt that's going to be available. Why 70s throwback weekend is cool for me is because 2019, the 40-year anniversary of the Angels' first ever playoff team. Yeah, the 1979 Halos, big 40-year celebration for them all year long. It's going to be cool. Plus, there's a lot of other Mike Trout items available, like I'm looking at Ducks Night coming up in September, where there's going to be a Trout Ducks bobblehead. And look, again, this is just a really small sample of all the great items that are available throughout the season on the promotional schedule. I think our marketing team does an awesome job. They fire me up, and I'm sure that uh, there are a lot of other items that I didn't even mention here that you're going to be excited to check out as well. So go to angels.com and check that out. Again, download, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. That helps us out a ton. One review goes a long way for us, so I sincerely appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who likes to get a head start by tuning in on AM830 and checking out Halo's Hot Stove. I want to thank everybody at AM830 for checking this one out. By the way, next time we do our podcast, Joe Adele is going to be our guest. Chance to hear from the number one prospect in the Angels system, the number six prospect, according to Baseball America, in all of MLB, getting set for his first ever big league camp. He's going to be on our next podcast. So you want to make sure that you're a subscriber so you can get that before anybody else. Joe Adele next week. Really, really cool. I want to thank Justin Upton for joining us here on the show today. Again, my name is Trent Rush. Thanks to all of you for being a big part of what we do here at Angels Baseball, especially on the radio on AM8 30 and here on our Angels Recap Podcast. Have a great rest of your day and looking forward to talking to you next week. Take care.